listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Last week was the first episode of 2020. This is the first John and Bart episode of 2020, which means, John, you're here. Hey, Bart. Hey, John. I'm glad you're here. Do I sound different? Do I sound, uh, does it sound okay? I mean, it sounds okay to me, but you- I'm in a new place. I know. And you're the sound engineer guy who cares about every little vocal fry, but- I do. I probably care way too much. But you are in a new place, aren't you? You, Did you, you you moved? Yeah, I moved uh, just this last week. And so I'm still sort of setting up my studio space here and it's not the same as it always was. And so if the sound isn't as good, I apologize. Well, and if the sound isn't as good, I I absolve you of responsibility. Um, (laughs) So I'm glad we had that exchange. Yeah. Yeah. So no, you sound fine to me. I sound a little weird because I've been sick um, for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Are you getting over it? I don't, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird because I mean, not to get too gross, but like I cough up stuff, but like <laughs> it was, I was coughing it up all day. Now I cough it up each morning and then I'm done coughing it up until the next morning. Like it's, it's, but it's not pretty. It's not good. No, no. And it doesn't make you feel good. But I mean, I guess there's some satisfaction in coughing in, in sort of getting rid of some of that stuff. It's so funny. You know, I, 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 it is. It's funny. Um, there's this, I took this medication called, I think it was called Mucinex. Um, it's the one that they have the ads where they show the big oh, yeah, green yeah. mucus ball um, that talks to you. But 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 on the on the package it says makes coughing more productive. <laughs> and I love that I love that um that wording. Like that's and good so, stuff. Yes, when I cough and I you know, this big chunk of stuff comes out, I, I, I open the the handkerchief and look at it and I'm sort of like damn, you know, that, that was productive. You know, it's funny. I, I guess everyone's sick right now. Like I'm hearing just, you know, constantly like this is a bad season for it and everyone's sick and everything. And I've been so kind of like holed up in my own edit suite um, with, with work that I haven't touched enough people or been around enough people lately to, to catch it. So, but I have to take a, I have to take a flight this week and uh, I'm not looking forward to the, the possibility, I, I can't afford to get sick right now. It's one of those times where it just would be bad to get sick. You, you're so going to have to wear it. one of those masks. Yeah, I would have to be you that person. You should wear one of those masks. Then, yeah, what do you think? Have you ever done that? No, I, I've never done it. I probably should have done it. Like when I was flying, you know, sick myself, I probably should have done it to keep my sickness in. Um, but, you know, you see, I mean, you know, stereotypically, you see lots of Asian people. When, when, when you travel right. they, internationally, they do that you see lots. Culture, culture, it's more acceptable culturally over there to do. I think we, we get looked at a little bit weirdly, don't we, if we do it? But we shouldn't. When you think about, I mean, how often have I flown knowing that this air is being recirculated over and over, hearing people coughing all over the plane, resenting them for coughing and thinking like, well, idiot, if you know you're going to be flying with all this recycled air... And, and then I get sick. I get sick after a long flight, very consistently. And I'm like, why don't I wear one of those masks? It doesn't make sense, but I I do think it's out of self-consciousness. Like I feel, I, I, I almost feel bad. 
I would feel bad sitting down next to a person wearing that mask because I, I feel like they'd look at me and go like, Ooh, what what is this person got going on? Right. And you don't know that person. You don't, you'll never see them again. Like, why do you care? I know. Why do I, why do you I You know care? what this reminds me of? This reminds me of, I remember hearing Malcolm Gladwell talk about Wilt Chamberlain, the great basketball player who was, was incredibly powerful, great basketball player. His one Achilles heel was he was a bad free throw shooter. And one, and the best free throw shooter in the league, in league history was a guy named Rick Barry, who also happened to be the only free throw shooter that shot underhanded, what they call a granny shot, where instead of shooting it like a regular shot, he would flip it up from between his legs. Um, mm. And Rick Barry made a great case for why this was the, the sensible way of, of shooting baskets um, and obviously proved it out. And one year, Wilt Chamberlain tried shooting underhanded and he shot a higher percentage than he had ever shot. And that was the year he scored a hundred points in a game. He averaged 50 points a game that year. And the next year he went back to shooting overhand. Too many people made fun of him. That was it is he didn't, he will was, <laughs> he didn't feel manly enough. Um, he felt wow. he, he, that, that, and, and, you know, Wilt was this guy who, you know, who claimed to have betted 10,000 women. I mean, obviously it mattered to him what other people thought of his masculinity. <laughs> so then Gladwell goes to Rick Barry and interviews him and figures out that what Rick Barry, what set him apart from all the other basketball players was he didn't care what other people thought very much. He, what he cared about mm. was being right. And in fact, he couldn't understand why somebody like Wilt could Im see empirical evidence that this was a more sensible way of shooting and not use it. it. It aggravated him like crazy, but Wilt cared what people thought. And I guess what I'm saying is, is that, John, are you going to be Wilt Chamberlain and not wear a mask, <laughs> even though you can't afford to get sick and you know that the air is horrible in airplanes? You know what's, what's terrible about this is I know there's about 5% chance of me wearing the mask, right? But it's now going to be in my head that I, this conversation is going to be ringing in my ears as I'm getting onto that plane without the mask. But and, and <laughs> it's going to be worse that you said it, this and it should than, be. than that you didn't. Come on, like, like, come on, man up, person up, human up. Like, it's time. Where do I get such a mask? This is not in my wheelhouse. You get it at a drugstore. <laughs> Thank you. By the way, I hope the next time you're on a on a flight, you're wearing this mask I, too. I, I trust I that want a now picture. I will be. Yes. <laughs> after this conversation, after you'd Absolutely. go to me. And often that is the case in my life, that it is in my concern for others that I discover something that I think, listen, if I'm going to have any consistency or any basis upon which to encourage other people to do the thing that would be best for them, I need to take care of myself in the same way. Right, right, so, right. So right. oftentimes, these kinds of conversations sometimes are what move me in the right direction. Yeah, no, it's interesting that you've, you've said that a lot, that this is a sort of a revelation about yourself, that if you're talking to someone, I mean, it's it's kind of the whole reason why I'm even audible on this podcast at all is the fact that talking with me on the air is a way for you to it, sort of organize your thoughts. And, and I find that so really much. interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. So listen, 
I, I so so one thing that's new is that you're going to be wearing, you know, a mask. Right. But 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 I am kind of curious. Like it's the beginning of the year. Like what's new for you? Like what's what 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 what's interesting? What, what you got any news for me? And what's happening? Um. Well, so so I, I yeah I just moved and so I'm in the middle of I've got boxes yes. all around me. The other the other big thing is that um, the film I made on you and your dad a few years ago, leaving my father's faith. Uh, it's been a it's sort of the, the typical way that a that a film goes is like you know you have it's very restricted at the start, just screenings, and then it opens up for rentals, and then after that, eventually it becomes available. It's just become available on Amazon Prime. So for people who have um, a Prime account with Amazon, you can watch it included with your subscription now. On Amazon, yeah, I mean, Prime you could video. always watch it on Amazon, right? But you had to pay. Yeah, it's like a rental, like a few bucks or something. Now it's just included with your subscription, with your Prime thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that that opens it up so to you, everybody else who has Amazon. I, do you think that'll increase the number of people that watch it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's like anything. You know, when a, when a, when something comes out, that's when the the biggest sort of peak is, and then it sort of goes down to a trickle. And so now it's at a trickle and I guess it'll increase a bit with people, you know, if, if the word gets out that it's available. Also, the other thing I think that happens is it becomes one of those things that is browsable in the prime library now. And that will make a difference too, just as people are interested in maybe religious films or um, films about atheism or, or what have you. Yeah. I, I hope so. I mean, I still get nice notes from people who have watched it for the first time through some word of mouth recommendation and st- something. And I, I mean, do too. The nice I thing got, is, is that I got you- the first um, bad review. Really? Yeah, like the first the first one on Amazon that is bad. You want me to read it to you? I'd I'd love to. I'd like. <laughs> I've I, Margaret. Someone yeah. called Margaret. Uh, the Who's title not listening is- to this podcast? Evidently not. Oh, when you hear this, you'll you'll know she's not. <laughs> she's not listening. Uh, headline: Waste of time. The film was very discouraging, and during the interview with Mr. Campolo and his son, his son seemed to be smirking, had this half smile while his dad was pouring out his broken heart to him. There was nothing redeeming, edifying, encouraging, uplifting in this film at all. My thoughts of Mr. Campolo's son was that he, he was self-absorbed and following, I can't even get through it, and following in his father's footsteps only on totally opposite negative side to prove a point to rebel after he expressed how difficult it was for him growing up in his, quote, larger than life dad's sh- shadow. Very sad and it bothers me how the son is now promoting his own pointless, hopeless, futureless, unfounded way of thinking. So that's what Margaret thinks. Well, thank you. And, 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 to the, and to you, to you humanize me listeners, I'm glad that you have joined me on the pointless, hopeless, what, what else? Right. Fruitless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Journey yes. that we're on together. Future, yeah. Futureless. Gosh. It's funny because I, I don't feel like I smirked when I was listening to my dad pour out his heart, but I was kind of smirking as Margaret was pouring out hers. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's funny though that like there there have been two reviews since then and this is just in the last week or so. They've both been five stars and so most people seem to get it. I mean, it has a basically a 
I think it's a 4.3 out of 5 or something like that on Amazon Prime. And uh, most people do seem to get it. Most people don't agree with Margaret. But I just thought it's always fun to read the bad ones. Well, yes. But I'm I'm kind of, I'm pleased that that movie doesn't have a lot of references to President Obama or, um, you know, the Yankees winning the World Series or something like that. I'm glad that it's not sort of dated because I do think that that conversation will continue to happen in families for a long time. And, um, and I think that, you know, I hope that movie stands up and has, yeah. has, has some legs. So if this helps, great. Good for, good for I, us. Yeah, I do too. Well, okay, so that's fun, but this is supposed to be the Q&A. Do, do we have listener question? Well, we don't. I'll tell you. So we have, we have a couple that we're saving for other occasions because we know that there are better times of the year for certain kinds of questions. Um, so I don't, I don't actually have any listener questions that, that I, I have for you this week. Um, and so no, I guess no, it's nobody, a good, it's nobody, a, nobody has any questions. For well, us. I think it's a good opportunity, Bart, because you're an actual counselor, right? So this is, I mean, you're a lifelong counselor in certain ways, and I guess it's probably changed over time. Uh, but you're really good at giving advice. I mean, I think people in in your life even ask you for, constantly for advice, right? Oh yeah, I mean, I I think you know both in when when I was in the Christian ministry, you know, you're often in that role of coaching or counseling or you know, being a youth leader to younger people. And you'd always, you know, you'd often end up with people going like, Hey, how do I deal with this? Or my parents are doing this or, you know, that you know, I, I, I'm just graduating college. I don't know what to do with my life. What do you think? Or I'm dating right. this, this, this guy is, you know, like, so I've always been a person who has been comfortable in those conversations. Um, right. But then, you know, as, as I got older, you know, it's been more so since I'm, kind of identifiably a pastoral counselor or a coach or a chaplain or whatever it is well, I yeah, am I mean, at any given time. It started off in more of a um, pastoral role or like a ministry role as you were in the in the in Christianity. And now you you do it in in this more secular way, but um, but you're a counselor. So what my point is that people should really call take this opportunity to either call or use the contact form to ask questions and submit them to us because um, chances are you're, you're open for business. Like you, you want to answer them. Yeah. And, and you know, counseling obviously is this give and take where, you know, you're, you're listening and you're asking questions and you're changing your perspective based on what the person is telling you. But I listen to sometimes these, radio shows or things where somebody does just have a question and they'll lay out their mm -hmm. situation. They'll be like, my boyfriend is in this situation. My wife's doing this, you know, almost like a dear Abby kind of thing. Like, here's my situation. What do you think? And I feel like when you do a lot of counseling, when you, when you sit, I mean, I just talk to a lot of people, talk to a lot of college students, talk to a lot of people that are going through religious transitions, talk to a lot of people that are struggling in marriages. I think when you talk to a lot of people, you, you end up, with a reservoir of 
of kind of experience that means when somebody asks me a question, I feel like I sort of have a perspective. So, I mean, I don't, it's funny to think of yourself as like a relationship guru or something, mm-hmm. but a lot of my friends say, Hey, I got a, yeah, they'll just be like, Hey, I got a relationship issue. And that's kind of your thing. Like you spend a lot of time thinking and talking about relationships. So I've got a relationship question for you. And I feel right. like if I was going to say like, you know, sometimes when we say like, oh, if you've got any questions, send them in. I think people are like, well, what am I supposed to, philosophy questions or questions about organizing? Right. A- academic stuff or the stuff you talk to guests about? And I'm like, maybe, but like, I'm no expert on all that stuff. But if somebody said, hey, how about a relationship question? Like, that would be a good, like, if you're wondering when, when we're asking for questions, what would be the, the most logical questions to ask? Ask relationship questions because that's kind of my passion right this is going on in my marriage or this is going on with my father or a friend or or a situation or yeah i have a friend who yeah 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 because that's in 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 most of my life that's what i end up doing and i've been doing that for a long time and so you do just you do just if you see the same kind of problem come at you a dozen times you know and, and you give advice in different ways, you guide people in different directions and like, that didn't work out that time. Oh, that way that worked out. Let's try that again. Oh, yeah, oh, that's the way that ten- like, this is what this is. You end up with some general directions that you feel like, I feel pretty confident about this. So when people do send me those relationship questions, I, I feel like I have a, a base of knowledge from which draw from and right. You know, so I, I think I, it, it's, it's rare. It, it's interesting because I'm excited about pursuing counseling more and more because so many of the things that I used to do for people, as my body runs out of, as my body breaks down and as my energy level goes lower, I like, I can't do that anymore. Some of the things I used to do. Right. um, But this counseling thing, I actually feel like you get better at it the longer you do it. Right, right, right. Is there something that's changed in the last while since you've been doing, I mean, you've been doing more and more counseling with people privately. I know that's a lot of your week now. Um, what's new on that? Like if I asked you for counseling years ago, what would be different from now? You know, I mean, that's a good question, I think, because when, sometimes when somebody says to me, I'm really experienced at this, I've been doing it a long time, Sometimes what that means is like, I've been doing the same thing over and over again. So I'm really good at doing it because I've done it so many times. And I feel Mm. like I've been on the same topic. Like I've been worried about relationships and thinking about relationships and excited about relationships for a long time. But I don't, I do, I, I do think that it's changed a lot for me. And not just the obvious, like, oh, I was this Christian guy. So I, I, like, I drew on that kind of stuff. And now I draw on this other kind of stuff um, since I, since I became secular. But I think, I think it's also, I, I, I do keep learning things. And I think that probably if you said to me, like, 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 what's the, what's the thing that's different now than maybe a couple of years ago. I think that I'm much more, I tend to see people's problems 
less in terms of who they are and, 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 and more in terms of what skills they need to acquire to be able to make the most of who they are. Um, I used to think it was about changing yourself. And now I think it's more about accepting yourself and coming, finding the tools and the practices and, and, and the, the workarounds that enable you to, to be more successful or more grounded or more communicative from where you are, being who you are, staying who right. you are. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that makes any sense, but I think I, I used to frame things much more in terms of the the problem. And now I, I and, and thinking we have to change the situation or we have to, this this person's got to change the way they feel or change the way they respond or change, you know, the, change themselves. And I think, I think it's, and you say, well, acquiring a skill or learning a new approach that is changing yourself. And I go like, yeah, but it's not changing your essential self. Like you don't get any smarter or stronger or less sensitive to foul language or whatever it is that hurts you or that you like, or that you hate. But it's more you develop the, the skills that enable you to to move better in the world, given those things, instead of thinking those things that are thing going to go foul, away. Foul language was was pretty specific. That's got to be a that's that's got to be a real a real case. <laughs> I mean, sure. I mean, there are people that either because of the, the way they were raised or because of a particular person in their life that used language in a certain way um, that are either frightened or their, their judgment, like they, 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 they can't help judging somebody or, or, or devaluing gotcha. somebody who uses a certain kind of language. So either I'm afraid yeah. of you or I think you're stupid. I mean, I, I remember when I was in college, um, when we would take tests, they would make you turn in your test with a number on it instead of your name. In this one, in, at least in this one class I took. And I asked the professor, like, why, why don't you take names? He said, like, the truth is, is that what I discovered was, is that especially on written assignments, I gave students that had Southern accents lower grades because as I was reading their work, I was reading it in that Southern voice. And I, because of the way I was raised and where I was raised, was raised to think that Southerners were less sophisticated. And so I could read the same sentence. And if I thought it was, if I thought it came from a a person with a Southern accent, I would think of it as a less um, profound or meaningful sentence. And so the only way I can, the only way I can. What an honest answer too. Yeah, I thought it was. Um, I mean, it's funny. Like, I was in, I was in a class the other night, um, and uh, and somebody started talking, and they were talking in the cadences of a certain kind of Christianity, like not not even just Christian, but like a certain kind of Southern Baptist, like 
the, the, there were phrases that were being thrown around. I was like, oh, you know, I know that phrase. I, I like right and right, right, right. You know, and I shut down. In one sense, I, I thought I know where you're going with this. I know who you are. I know everything about you, and it was totally unfair. But like, I'm triggered by you know, I'm triggered by language. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so yeah. No, so that, that's interesting. So that's an example of where you would say to someone, you might need a, a skill to move past the way you're feeling. You might never change the way you're feeling, but you might need a skill of how to strategize. So would you say that like the, the, the thing that's changed is that you now see many parts of a, of a, of a person's nature as being kind of inevitable or kind of baked in? Or at least not, I mean, I think that we can change, but I think that the range in which I used to think people were capable of changing is, is a lot smaller. And so, hmm. so can you become less judgmental? Yeah. You know, but can a, can a person who's prone to like deep and serious judgment, you know, is that just going to go away? Are they going to become kind of this open-minded, open-hearted person? Probably not. And so, but can they learn, can they go like that judgmentalism is a real problem for me. So how do I put myself in situations where it's, where, where I'm not going to be tempted to do it as much, or how can I locate my, how can I, how can I put somebody with me who can stop me and gently, gently stop me when I'm being too judgmental or, you know, or, or how, what kinds of questions can I ask or what kinds of things, practices can I adopt that are going to make my judgmentalism less hurtful to the people around me? What would you make of someone who almost leans into their judgmentalism? In other words, doesn't see it as problematic and sort of feels like this is a strategy. This is how I'm doing. This is how I'm doing it. I, I think a strong sense of having judgments about others is, uh, isn't a bad thing in my life. Well, you know, that person's usually not asking you for advice about how to deal with their judgmentalism. Right. What, what happens is, right. it, it, yeah. is you know, because you, you know, sometimes like somebody will say to me, well, this is the way I am. And I'm like, how's that working out for you? And a lot of times what happens is if somebody will come to you and say, hey, people keep pulling back from me. and you know, I, 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 all my, I, I, I tend to have a relationship with somebody that's really close for a while. And then my, my relationships all sort of end and people end up withdrawing. And I don't know why that is. And, and, and then they'll, you know, as they're talking, they might bring up something about somebody said I was judgmental and I go like, and they're like, but I like that about myself and that's the way I want to be. And I'm feel comfortable. Right. <laughs> and, and you're sort of like, okay, well, how's that working out? And, and so, Right. I think most of the time people aren't looking for support relationally when things are going great. They, 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 they ask for support when there's something that's not working and they can't figure out what it is. And again, some, sometimes people are like, sometimes people say, I just need to stop being so judgmental. Which is almost like somebody saying, listen, I, I, know how, I just need to learn to play the guitar and lose 100 pounds and everything's going to be fine for me in high school. And, and you think, even if that's true, it's really hard to lose 100 pounds and learn to play the guitar. 
and you've tried five times. So maybe what we have to figure out is, hey, given the way, you know, given the weight that you're you're carrying and your musical limitations, what are other ways for you to be involved with the people you want to be involved with? Or what are other ways for you to develop relationships or to kind of have the experience of being part of a band or, you know, so so in the one case, yeah. and, and you might say, well, then you're just not giving any, you're not saying anybody can get better at anything. And I'm saying, no, no, no. I'm not saying it's not worth trying the guitar lessons at the same time. But what I am saying is, is that I think as I get older, I'm less prone to stake my, stake my hope for change on changing the basic framework of a human being. And I'm more prone to stake it on right. adding new skills and adding new practices rather than changing basic layout. Right, right. You just you, you, instead of trying to change the source code, so to speak, you you try to uh, work with it. Yeah, I think a lot of times people will look at people who they think are having better lives than they are. I mean, I was just, I was just talking to a friend and she was saying, this is a person who's, who's in so many ways as a, as a kid growing up was traumatically set up to not have friends moved around mm. all the time, you know, taught some really weird habits was, you know, set apart in some different ways. Um, just set up to not really know how to c connect as well. And, uh, and now, he, now she's in this situation where she says, "I look at other people and all the friends that they have, and Facebook and all the all the social opportunities that they have, and I think to myself, kind of, what's you know what's wrong with me? And I'll never have those kind of relationships. And I think it's really easy to think that the answer for her." is to try to figure out how to be as good on Facebook as those other people are and how to be as good at a party and how to be um, as confident walking into a room. And the truth of the matter is, is that I don't think she's ever going to be as confident walking into a room. And I don't think she's ever going to have that same mm -hmm. set of skills. So what I'm more interested in, in doing is saying, okay, given who you are, how can you cultivate relationships. And the answer is not for you to become a different person, for you to become a person with a happy childhood and a cheerleader personality, but rather, okay, how can we parlay this, this, this hurt that you've experienced and the knowledge that you've gained? I mean, you, know, you could frame her as somebody who's been really messed up, but you could also frame her as somebody who survived a tremendous amount of, of, destructive stuff and she emerged absolutely and she emerged as a person who after really not being sure that this life was even worth living for 20 years wakes up one day and says you know what i do want to live this life i want to have a really good life and the reason she's talking with me is she's like hey can you help me figure out i finally have an appetite for this life but i don't know how to live it very well can you help me and the answer is i'm not going to try to teach her how to be a bad imitation of somebody who was raised very differently. But I'm going to go like, hey, how do we work with this stuff? And 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 what kind of people are you going to be uniquely able to relate to because of the way you were raised? 
And what kind of skills can we develop to kind of compensate for how nervous and anxious you are when you first walk into a room? And what kind of practices can we make? Because if you walk into a party the same way that as that other woman does, it isn't going to work for you the way it works for her. So we got to come up with a whole new different way of you walking into a party and maybe even a different set of parties for you to walk into. And so I'm, I'm much less prone to go like, let's try to get you to being a standard issue 25-year-old. Right. And I'm much more interested mm-hmm. in going like, what are the skills that we can wrap around who you are that will enable who you are to thrive? And it's, it's, just, yeah. it's just a different way. And that's really, really interesting. And I think I was much more prone back in the day to think that, oh, you've got these crippling insecurities. Well, listen, I'm going to give you some positive messages and stuff like that. And pretty soon you're not going to be insecure at all. Right. And of, of course, sometimes that's, you don't realize it at the time, but I think sometimes that can be projection. Like you feel pretty secure. So you're just like, hey, just do what I'm doing. Or, yeah. you know, th- the other thing that that can typically come up, come up is the op, is the um, s- sort of like extrovert introvert thing where extroverts can project onto introverts their way of handling a situation or doing something or being social and feel like it's a, it's good advice when, when in actual fact, it's really not for an introvert. It's funny, John, because I'm thinking about you because you and I talk about lots of things. Mm-hmm. Um, offline. Yeah. And and I was thinking about this conversation we, we were having about marriage a few weeks ago. And I'm, I'm, I'm going back mm-hmm. and I'm going like, does this hold true what we're talking about now? And I go, I think that when I was younger, I would have been much more prone to say, this is the way Marty and I do our marriage. And it's really working out well. And I would have been much more prone to try to show you how if you did things more like we do them, you know, like I would have been prone to try to get you to be right. more like me. And I was thinking about that conversation. And yeah, yeah. And I think like I'm much more prone to be asking questions about how does your marriage work and what do you guys, what does this work like? And then I'm trying to figure out, okay, what what's going to work for you? Because it's going to be different. I, I right. think I'm just much, right. and, yeah. and that's, and, and, and you might say, well, you've always been like that, right? You've always been like trying to figure out what would work for other people. And I think, no, I think I was much more like, this is what works. I just need to show it to you. Yes. Yeah. So. Uh, and, and to universalize your experiences and make them like, oh yeah, just, just copy this. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, some of that I'm sure came out of, you know, my, my background as a religious leader where there was much, much larger percentage of my identity that I felt like was, there's one way to do this. There's one way to be married. There's one way to Bart, raise I th- kids. I, I think this is, yeah, th- I mean, th- that really resonates with me. And so I think it, pro- I'm going to just go out on a limb and say, some of our listeners who have who are sort of deconverted from from especially Christianity and especially evangelical Christianity, that there is a very strong um, narrative within that world of like this is what this is the one right way. This is what everyone should be doing, and to deprogram that, I mean, forget about the actual content of it, but just that approach to everything. 
that's really, I think that can be difficult for people, you know, to sort of like get, get into the habit of looking at other, other ways of doing things and other people and going, that's just as valid, you know, like as, as the way that I'm doing it, their, their approach, their life, their marriage, their whatever might be very different and it's, and it's okay. And that's why I think it's a big deal that you, um, when it comes to caravan and some of the other things that you're doing that you're not saying anymore, like this is the right way you're saying this is a way. And I think that's a big deprogramming that you've done over the last few years. Yeah. I, I mean, and you've known me long enough to know when it was a little bit, when it was more the other way. Um, Oh, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I've seen the change. Yeah. yeah. And so, and in myself. Yeah. I, I, I hope that, that's something that continues to to change. But what's ironic is, is that, man, I'm not going to say this. I don't know how to say this well, because it isn't this thing where I think everybody should just do whatever they want to do. No. I think there are values. That's not the alternative. No. I think that there are values that are important human values that- I not only think are right for me, but that are right for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like not murdering small children. I just think that's right. I mean, I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm just going to say, I don't think anybody should be murdering anybody, particularly small children. Um, okay. But, but, but I would go, you give me two different people who are raised in two different environments. And, and my strategy for those people to live meaningful lives where they don't murder anybody might be very different. And, and so I don't, I'm, I'm much less prone to think that the way that I live a meaningful life or the way that I find a sense of wonder or joy or the way I, the, the, the number of relationships that I have or how, how they, the, the ones that I find the most fulfilling, I still want everybody to have a fulfilling relationship or have some fulfilling relationships, but I'm less prone to say, and yours will look like mine. So I still value, I have, I have this value, but I'm, I'm much more prone to go like, and how's that, you know, where are you starting from and what are you, where are you aiming for? And let's try to figure out what works for you. So it's not that my stuff isn't still informed by a pretty clear value system. And honestly, like, you know, if you don't value the things I value, you're probably going to not get very much out of my input. It's, it's almost like chemistry or biology where the building blocks are the same, but how they're expressed can end up making the, making the organism or the thing look very different. Yeah. And then once you have a different organism, you think like, what is healthy food? You know, what's the healthiest food? And you go like, well, mm. are we talking about for an octopus or are we talking about for a gerbil? Right, right. You know, and, and, you, show, or, or, and you say like, what's the best medicine? And you go like, are you diabetic or hypoglycemic? Because, you know, like any medicine can be poison. And, and in some cases, something that's poisonous can be really helpful to somebody. You know, Botox is a poison but it can be helpful in certain situations. And I don't just mean cosmetically. Um, in re- it, it relaxes, it, it sort of kills a certain kind of muscle. 
for at least temporarily. Mm. And you're like, is mm-hmm. that good or bad? And I go like, oh, t- tell me the situation. Tell me the person we're talking about. Tell me what they're allergic right. to. Um, and so I, I think I'm much more aware of the diversity of goals. Like not everybody has to end up in the same kind of relationships or in the same kind of lifestyle or in the same kind of community. And I'm mm-hmm. much more cons- aware that even if somebody, even if five people are like, I want to end up being, you know, I love caravan and I want to end up being a really meaningful part of that community. Okay. So they all have the same goal. Um, depending on what, wh- where they're starting, starting out, some of them may have to develop one set of skills. Somebody might have to develop some skills that enable them to, to conversational skills that they just don't have. And somebody else might have to have judgment, um, constraint con- skills. They're going to have to learn to like shut, shut off their, I know everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so they, they might, even if they have the same goal, they're going to need different skills and they're going to need to develop different habits. And right. So, Cause that stuff, yeah, you, I, I, you mentioned someone's background before or how, how someone was raised. I think that it does come down to that a lot for people, you know, how they were raised yeah. really does dictate a lot of, you know, the, that sort of wiring that they have. And maybe that, that that's like the wrap up thought here is to ask the question, to what degree do you feel like you, you see problems as problems of a person's constitution and to what dis- degree do you see problems as a problem of that person not having the right supports or the right skills or the right practices to make the most of their constitution? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would sort of encourage and, and say that I, I have a feeling that we would love our loved ones better if we were more accepting of who they are and focused our change making on not trying to change somebody's basic constitution, but trying to help them make the most of the one they got. Right. That makes sense to me. And I think it's a good, good wrap up thought. Hey, well, I hope this was a good conversation. Yeah, no, it really was. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you, I think um, there are a couple of ways that I'd like to mention before we before we stop. The one, the, the first is we have the phone number. I understand some people maybe don't want their voice on the podcast, although some other people don't seem to mind that at all. So it's horses for courses, as they say, 424-291-2092. That's the, what we call the Q line, 424-291-2092. Two zero nine two, and the other way is to reach out to uh, using the contact form. It's on the website bartcampolo.org/contact, uh, or if you go to yeah. bartcampolo.org, it's hit hit the tab contact, and and you can just fill that out. It sends a note right over, and you're looking. I mean, you, the thing is, you you are a counselor. You can answer all kinds of things, uh, but and I, think I can also say when I don't know. I can also say what I right, don't exactly. Know. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like I wanna I wanna know what you think of Stephen King, what he said about diversity and the Oscars, but that doesn't seem on topic. You know what I mean? But I, I still want to know what you what you think about it. Yeah, because you you know, because we're buddies and, and maybe somebody else and like if you wanna if somebody wants to send in that kind of question, they can. But like if you hated right. this podcast, 
you should send in a question so that we have something to talk about rather than just to, you know what we come up with. And if you loved this podcast, you should send in a question. Yeah. Um, either way, either way, it would be great to hear from you. Right. Right. And the other thing that I, I the other category that I see for people is often people don't have something going on in their life, but they have friends or family or or close people who do. And asking the question on behalf of somebody else is perfectly valid as well. Because yeah, we're asking, how do I support this person? Right. Right. Exactly. I'm sorry. I, that was such a bad interruption, but you're right. Like sometimes asking <laughs> for somebody is one thing, but I think sometimes you're like, what do I do? My friends in this situation, how do I support them? And that's a really important question too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, happy new year, my friend. I know it's a little bit late. For and, that. and to you and to you. And I think I'm probably going to get a letter from my um, sister-in-law on this program saying, and I have a question for you. Like, how does a person learn to stop interrupting their friends? And <laughs> I do it all the time too. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. All right, man. So this is this is good. And 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 we'll for for you for everybody. We'll see you next time on Humanize Me. For more on Bart, go to bartcampolo.org. If you like this podcast, please consider supporting it every month and get extra content for it. Go to patreon.com slash humanize me. Our patrons do make the show happen. Follow us at humanize me pod on Twitter and humanize me podcast on Instagram. You can also join other listeners on our private Facebook group. Just search humanize me on Facebook to ask your own question on the show. Leave it as a voicemail at 424-291-2092. That's 424-291-2092. 2092. And finally, please review us on iTunes. It really helps. Catch you next week. Humanize Me is a production of Jux Media. Hey, you could be larger than life.